What's up, church planters and all you fans of church planting? My name is Jared Huntley, and I'm with my good friend and fellow planter in arms, Matt Hess. You guys are listening to In the Trenches, a podcast by everyday church planters for the everyday church planter. So whether you're a lead church planter or you're on a church planting team or you're just a fan of church planting, then this podcast is for those of you who want to get in the trenches and advance the kingdom of God. What's up, Matt? What's going on, man? Not too much. Not much. Not much. Just uh, enjoying, enjoying the beautiful day outside. It's not too cold. Is it? How cold is it there right now? Uh, it's not bad here. I mean, like, I think the high today for all our Fahrenheit listeners is like 39 or 40. So that's pretty nice this time of year for, yeah, I guess for Canada, it's not too bad. Yeah. Not too bad. How about, how about there? Uh, gosh, it's like, it's warming up. It's like in the high forties now, but it's going to get in the mid fifties today and it's sunshine and blue skies. So I'll take it. It's pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Good stuff. Yeah, man. Well, um, Matt today. Uh, we are going to be talking about prayer, so we're just gonna we're not gonna have much small talk today. We're just gonna get straight yeah, into man. things, baby. Let's jump into it, yeah, because I know this is one of uh, a topic that we're both pretty passionate about. Uh, mm-hmm. It's something that we you know talked a lot about over the years. Uh, just yeah. um, you know uh, the need for for us to become serious about prayer uh, mm-hmm. in the church, and especially when you're church planning, you're on the mission field. Um, you know, in church planning circles, like. Uh, it's hard to talk about prayer sometimes because I feel like it's so easy for us to get rote about prayer, you know, and yeah. just like give yeah. it lip service because we know like, so for example, if you're like raising support, right. And you're doing yeah. like a pitch to a potential church partner, you, if you don't say something about like prayer, then like you, you that's not good you know like right this you're is like, I, just, a Christian? I just need money and can you come do a vacation bible school for me and that's basically all i need <laughs> so like yeah, sure yeah. if you want to pray whatever you know so it's like if that happened if you were to do that then it probably wouldn't work out well for you in terms right. of like partnerships and so i i find myself always saying in like partnership development meetings like look uh, when i talk about prayer like i'm not just saying this because this is what we're yeah. supposed to say like yeah. we when i say we need you to pray like i mean we need you to pray like that's one mm. of the most important things that you guys could possibly do for us is more important than giving us money it's more yeah. important than coming and doing a, a a vacation bible school but i i wonder if we actually believe that sometimes yeah. like like practically we say it um yeah go ahead yeah, I think, I think that prayer is. Uh, I I think we say we talk a lot about the power of prayer, but we do little praying, yeah, which is really all the answer we need in terms of what we think that we're capable of doing outside of God. Um, I think you know our, I think it's extremely prideful when we don't when we don't pray because essentially what we're saying is is that we don't we don't need the power of God to work and move in our lives and in our congregation's lives that we can do it, that we got it figured out and we don't. Um, so yeah, when we, when, when we talk about partnership and we talk about praying and stuff, you're exactly right. You know, it's like, well, we got to say this, you know, but do we really believe it? Mm-hmm. Do we really believe that a thousand people praying for us is much more important than a thousand people giving money? Yep. You know, uh, one of the things that I, I do love about church planning is that 
it uh, uh, the very nature of church planting uh, causes us to be placed in situations where we're kind of driven to our knees in prayer and we're desperate yeah. because you know church planting takes risk. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you're taking bold steps of faith uh, a lot mm-hmm. of times. You know, when you're planting a church, I mean, I, it's is it possible to do it without you know trusting in God? Uh, sort of. I mean, you can build like a, a crowd, I guess, or a congregation. But I think in our tribe, in our circle, and for people who are listening to this podcast, like I trust that everybody who's listening to this podcast understands like that, you know, like church planning, you know, takes prayerful risk. Um, and it yeah. takes, you know, uh, great faith, uh, leaps of faith to, uh, to trust God uh, to do what only God can do, which is to transform lives. Uh, mm-hmm. And ultimately, see like a new church formed, which is a miracle, right? Yeah. And yeah. so, so there is a sense in which I think prayer in church planting in the church planting world is, um, I don't know how to say, it. like for back of a better way of saying it, better. You know, like it's more frequent; it happens more often, just because I <laughs> yeah. think we we need it and we know we need it. Yeah. Um, yeah. However, I think that if we take a hard look at like our church calendars. If you go and you look at your church calendar for like, you know, any given month of the year, and when you take a look at your order of service for your t- typical Sunday morning, you know, and you, and, and you ask, you know, as you look at that, does this communicate that we prioritize prayer or does it not? Mm. And I think that's yeah. kind of to your point. Like, I, I think for most of us, we would probably say like our calendars and our orders of services on Sundays probably don't communicate that we prioritize prayer as much as we say we do. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. So, wh- why, like, why is that? Like, why do you think it is that we are so prone to uh, kind of relegate prayer to the backseat? Oh, man. Yeah, this is a very timely episode because I've been wrestling with some of this myself, you know. And um, I, I think that it gets back to just like if you clear the car, clear the table, you know, and just brass tacks, honest to goodness conversation. Um, prayer is a spiritual exercise. Like prayer is a spiritual discipline. Anything that is a spiritual act, Satan does not want us to participate in. Um, and so number one, it's a battle spiritually. If, if the enemy can take away one weapon in our lives, you know, most Christians would say, well, it's the word of God. You know, it's the word of God, right? If he can get you out of the word of God, I say like, amen to that. But I think even more so it's prayer. Mm. If, if you think about the life of Christ and how deeply committed and devoted he was to prayer, if Jesus, John 1, 1 says in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. If Jesus was in the beginning, Jesus came from heaven. If Jesus is at the right hand throne of the father and he was needy and committed to prayer, how much more so must we be? Yeah. And I think when it's a spiritual discipline, it doesn't come natural. It's against our, our, our natural man. It's against our flesh. And so like Paul tells us, like our, our flesh and the spirit is always waging war. And so things always take priority over prayer and it's so easy to let it slip. It's so easy to, to do other things, but, but, but ultimately um, when, when we prioritize other things over 
over prayer, we're, we're saying that we can kind of do this without God. Mm-hmm. We can, we can see fruit without God, but what kind of fruit, you know, we can, um, we can preach sermons without God. We can, we can lead ministries without God. It's, there's not a, there's not a neediness. There's not a dependency that, that God has to do this or it's not going to happen. And that's why we don't pray on to, to be quite frank. I mean, we don't pray because we don't really believe in the power, in the work of prayer. Um, yeah, you know, a pastor that's poured into my life, his name's uh, Tommy Vincent. And, you know, brother Tommy used to always tell me, he said, prayer, we, we don't pray for the work. Prayer is the work. And anybody that's listening can attest that oftentimes it feels like work to pray. And, um, man, we've got to shift in our minds that we got to, we got to make that shift to say, um, I'll put it this way. I had an opportunity one time I was traveling somewhere and my flight was delayed. I don't even remember the details surrounding it now, but my flight was delayed and I was about to go, I was about to preach and I arrived late and I had about 40 minutes, 45 minutes in my hotel room. And I remember very distinctly being convicted to not look over my notes, but to pray instead. Hmm. And instead of praying, instead of heeding to the spirit's direction, I looked over my notes instead. And of course, after I finished my notes, you know, I, I, I asked the Lord to bless it and all that kind of stuff, you know, but I think I do that. I think not just me, but I think we do that kind of stuff to kind of appease our own consciences instead of just obeying what God is saying to do. Mm. And I look back on that moment and I think, you know, that's a good descriptor of my life at times. Yeah. I think that I, 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 I don't know if I can honestly say with conviction how I live my life that I believe that there's more power in 45 minutes of prayer before I got up to teach in that conference than to make sure I know my material better. Mm-hmm. See what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, that's a problem, right? That's mm-hmm. a problem. And that's we, we, that we're missing it, man. We're missing the power of, of prayer. And um, I'm, I'm yeah. trying to learn. I just, I want to grow in that area of my life, but I want to mm-hmm. also be honest. I'm not there yet for sure. Mm-hmm. I'm not either. Uh, I think the fact that we, you know, we have this conversation, you know, on a pretty regular basis, you know, just shows that it it is a spiritual battle, right? Because Mm -hmm. I think we know, um, and, you know, a lot of our listeners probably, you know, you would say the same thing, like, man, I know like how vital it is that I pray and I know, and it drives me crazy that I don't pray more because I know that, you know, apart from Jesus, I can do nothing. And yet it's, yeah. it seems like, you know, like Paul says in Romans seven, like, I don't do the things that I want to do. And I do the things that I don't want to do. Wretched man that I am, who will save me from this body of sin and death, you know? And yeah. thankfully we do have a gracious God. Um, mm. who uh, is patient with us and who who chooses to uh, oftentimes bless the work of our hands anyways, despite our prayerlessness. But I do believe that there's a direct correlation between like, you know, our dependency on prayer and um, fruit. You know, like, yeah. I think that if we want to see things like you know, revival, if we want to see things like people getting saved and we want to see our people in our congregation, you know, like, like start making disciples and, you know, not just sitting in seats like, uh, man, you know, I think we're 
lot of times we're quick to complain, you know, as pastors about, you know, like people and, you know, oh, you know, they're you know so distracted and people's schedules are busy and they're not committed and stuff. But we ha- we need to look no further than our own prayerlessness uh, okay. as one of the root issues going on there. I mean, are we, you know, do we care about it enough to where, you know, we're willing to make prayer you know, the top priority in our calendar or week? And, you know, I'm preaching to myself right now. Like, dude, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm not like don't certainly don't hear me listeners throwing stones. Uh, it's yeah. you. Um, <laughs> so, well, you think about like, uh, you said a word there that's really powerful. Um, you said prayerlessness and, um, you know, a, an author who's had a lot of influence on my life, Andrew Murray Yep. and Andrew Murray talks about how prayerlessness in the life of a believer is sin. Yep. That's, that's the title of his first chapter in his book, yep. praying life. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It's literally sin. And I don't know if we really believe that, man. I don't know if we really believe like, oh, you know, I'm saved. Like, I hear a lot of people talking about their freedom in Christ today. And which you say like, man, that's that's great. But if we don't understand what real freedom in Christ looks like, like when we ask the question, um, <laughs> how far can I go without it being sin? Like that's the wrong question. Mm -hmm. That's not freedom. Um, and and the same with prayerlessness. Like, I don't know if a lot of Christians, you know, really believe that prayerlessness is sin. I think they would say, well, like I'm free in Christ, you know? So I pray when I want to, I pray on the way to work. I pray here, I pray there, whenever, um, as it, as it happens, Mm -hmm. that's how Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed as he went you know, whatever it might be. And we, we come up with all these reasons and excuses and all these things. But I think brass tacks, if we just get down to business, prayerlessness in our lives is sin. And just like any other sin, before God can change our hearts, we have to repent. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why when you study revival um, and when you study awakenings amongst lost people getting saved. It starts with Christians who got serious about being broken before the Lord and repenting of sin and prayer. It's how it all starts, man. Mm -hmm. It's how it started the book of Acts, man. Jesus didn't tell them, okay, boys, go get them. He said, wait, stay in Jerusalem. And I'm going to send you who the helper Mm -hmm. and power is going to fall. And they went to that little upper room and dude, they got full of the Holy spirit. And what were they doing when he came? They were praying. Yep. They were praying. And um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think that we're, we're, we need a return back to, to prayer. And uh, it starts with you, it starts with me. It starts with individuals saying like, man, I'm sorry for this prayerlessness. I repent of this prayerlessness. I want to be different. I want to be changed. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll see that power in our lives and in, in our congregation's lives. If we would, I believe that I really do. Mm-hmm. I think I really think that we're just a there's just a general kind of malaise um, over the culture, you know, the Christian culture, uh, you know, in in North America. And I think that, you know, like the Bible, you know, constantly, uh, you know, uh, exhorts us to be sober minded uh, for a reason. Right. And and what it means by that is to be, you know, spiritually to be uh, aware of 
you know, the spiritual realities going on around yeah. us and spiritual warfare. And I think for the most part, we're, we spend most of our time not being aware of those things and not being yeah. super conscious of that. Uh, I think that, uh, I think Christianity as a whole, like is, uh, you know, uh, right now in our society is incredibly naive to mm. just the, uh, what's happening around us in the, in the, the spiritual realm. I think that, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, all the way from like, I think that, you know, most people just assume that most people around them are, are, are saved and going to heaven. Yeah. Uh, most people take, you know, uh, uh, don't take false teaching and, and uh, distortions of the gospel very seriously. They tend to gloss yeah. gloss over that stuff, you know, yeah. and like it's it's no big deal, you know, uh, as long as the gospel is being preached, you know, and they misapply Philippians 1, you know, things like that. Right, it's just, right, right. Yeah. I, man, I just think that like, I don't think people realize how serious like of a spiritual war we're really in and you know in a lot of ways like just how desperately like we yeah. need to cling to to Jesus because we've got so much so many other things we can depend on you know like we've got money we've got you know built church buildings and programs and tons of tons of books that tell us how to do ministry and you know how to do this and how to start a church and all that stuff and like man we've got tons of resources at our disposal. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, I was talking to, uh, I was talking to a church planner in, uh, Southeast Asia and he's got a, uh, an 18 year old son and he was talking about, um, you know, like, um, you know, asking me to pray for his son cause they want his son to be able to come to the States and, and go to seminary. And, you know, and I like at the, at the end of the day, like, you know, I, I I'm praying that that'll happen. And, you know, I yeah. think that'd be, but I did think it did cause me to think after we got off the phone, I was talking with him and just listening to what God's doing through their ministry and going like, I wonder like, would that actually be the best thing for that young man? You know, yeah. or would it, yeah. <laughs> would it damage him more than anything? <laughs> you know, like I think we need to go there and learn from them. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, you see it here, right? In 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 Toronto, Toronto is the most diverse city in the world, and so the world is constantly coming to the city. Yeah. And um, if you don't, it seems to me like we were in a meeting yesterday, uh, Tuesday, and it seems to me like if you don't, if you don't reach immigrants within. Now, refugees are a little different, obviously, but you don't reach immigrants within a certain time frame. They very quickly become westernized mm -hmm. and our government wants them to be westernized. Yeah. And um, so it's a strange, strange thing, bro. Like you'll see people come from rural villages um, in India where nobody could care less really what their was on their feet. They, a lot of them didn't even wear anything but sandals or whatever. And, and then, and then all of a sudden they're here six months and they're wanting the newest Jordans or whatever. And it's like, mm -hmm. well, hold on a second. How did we get here? Mm -hmm. And it's the, the Western is they've been Westernized to think that this is what is valuable. This mm -hmm. is what is good. And, um, to your point with this brother, it's the same thing I find in North America we're fighting things in North America that I find that when I travel around the world, um, they don't seem to be fighting. Like we're, we're fighting consumerism and sharing with your brothers and sisters in Christ and building up your brothers and sisters in Christ and being unified. And they seem, that seems to be foreign to them. They're like, yeah, of course we do those things, mm -hmm. you know? 
Um, so I think to your point, I think prayer is so important. Yeah. So, so important, you know? So let's, let's kind of, let's squish gears and talk about kind of the nuts and bolts, like how much prayer should happen in the actual worship service? Um, because I, I, this is a great example of how we will talk about prayer and the power of prayer. And I've been in churches, you know, where it'll talk about it, but they, they might, you know, they'll have like a, a, a small opening prayer to open the service and maybe the pastor will pray right before he preaches. Uh, but that's the extent of the praying that happens the entire yeah. morning. And so like you're, com- what's happening is that you're communicating one thing with your lips, but what the, but everything, but you're also communicating by the way that you structure your worship service and like yeah. what you give time to and priority to. And so if your worship service is an hour and 40 minutes of that is you preaching and, yeah. you know, 15 minutes is singing songs and four minutes is announcements and one minute is prayer. That's going to yeah. communicate to people. Um, you can tell them all you want that prayer should be the most important thing, but they're not, they're not going to listen. They're not going to hear it. Yeah, no, it's true. Absolutely. I, I think you, I think, uh, I think we talk a lot about prayer and, um, we do little praying, you know, yeah. um, why is that though? And, I, I in think the, it's in because the worship back to what we talked about, we think that there's more power like in our Bible teaching or mm. there's more, there's more mm. power in our worship. There's now, more power in these other things. Yeah. And it's not that we do one, we don't elevate one above the other. Yeah. And I don't want our listeners to think like, well, I thought worship does matter. I thought Bible teaching, of course they matter. Every church has to have, like you and I were talking about this before we recorded today. Every church has to have like their basic ecclesiological structure. Mm-hmm. What is church? When do we know church is taking place? However, those elements all have to be bathed in prayer. Those elements all, I I look at prayer as like the foundation of everything else you're doing. And so I think when we talk about like the scorecard, how we keep score in church in North America, what is success? Typically we've said like numbers, you know, attendance, baptisms, all those kinds of things. And I, I think the reason why we don't talk about like, okay, what if we said like how many people are in prayer meetings or how many how how many people are praying or how many people are making disciples? Those metrics are a little bit more difficult to measure. Mm-hmm. And so we sometimes don't do it. But but I think that prayer is is to answer your question, I think prayer is void in the majority of worship services today because we don't really believe in the power of of prayer. We mm-hmm. we 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 have at Fellowship Pickering, the church I serve at, we have at various times incorporated prayer into life of the church. But over the past several months, we have really hyper-focused on how we're going to make prayer a part of everything that we do. Mm-hmm. And so... so sure, sure. What, tell me a little yeah. bit about that. So our worship service starts at 11, but our prayer we have prayer at 10 a.m., and that's open to anybody. Anybody can come in and pray over the service, pray over all the elements that I just described, the worship, kids, ministries, guests, all da-da-da, whatever it might be. Just genuine prayer for the community, whatever, um, basic prayer for the community, lostness, all those things. Just as the Spirit leads, we don't have a real program in that time from 10 to 11. It's just whoever wants to come can come, and we pray as the Spirit leads. Um, we start our service with 
an, an opening song. And so we start, our, our worship leader comes up and he leads us in an opening song. And then usually myself uh, will come up and I, I'll lead us, do maybe do a couple announcements, but then I lead us in a time of prayer. And that's typically about five minutes. Mm-hmm. And we have our people at tables right now. So we made this shift about three months ago, like just big tables. We put out like 15 to 20 tables and we get our people all around tables and we have them face each other and they share prayer requests. We have prayer request cards at the table. We have a cross in the back of the room where they can pin those requests to the cross. Um, but we're just trying to make prayer more intentional. And then um, I'll close us and t- I'll wrap that time up. And then sometimes we have a, a congregational prayer to start the service and we'll have that up on the screen and we'll literally pray it all together as a, as a church. And so we're doing some things like that, a little bit more liturgical in nature. Um, and, and then, you know, obviously we teach, we have more worship and then we'll end in another time of prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, but but the point, the point is, I don't want us to think that we can do anything without the power of prayer on us mm-hmm. and in us. And like this past Sunday, we did, a th- we, and I try to, we try to mix it up. I try to keep it very, very, because anything I find, like if you do something the same way, almost every single Sunday for multiple, multiple months, it becomes rote. Uh-huh. And it becomes like, people are like, okay, this is when I do this, sit down, stand up, do this, do that. And so we try to mix it up. So like this yep. Sunday, we, we focus on three facets of prayer before, um, before we even started the service. And essentially what we did was we, we talked about, we talked about um, confession and we, we had everybody, just spend some time with the Lord. Uh, we, we read first John one, nine, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So I talked about how we can't come in to the presence of God in corporate worship with filth in our lives and expect God not to be hindered and the mm-hmm. spirit not to be hindered in our midst today. So we talked about confession. Then we talked about asking God Philippians four, six, don't be anxious about anything, but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And then the final way we, we opened the service of, in prayer was we asked everybody just to open their hands, like with a posture of openness. And everybody's in a posture just of, you know, bowing their head, closing their eyes, spending time with the Lord in this time. I'm leading it from up front. Um, and then so we, we talked about confession, asking, and expectation. And so the psalmist says in 39, seven, um, and now Lord, what do I wait for and expect my hope and expectation are in you. Mm -hmm. And so I said, today, our expectation is in the hope of Christ. And so what are you expecting to get out of this service? And so we're just trying to position and posture ourselves through prayer in a way where we're not just checking the box. Does that make sense? We're not just like going through the service, but we're actually like, going back to prayer, back to prayer, back to prayer. And I've even stopped in the That's middle good. of sermons and said, man, let's just pray. This is a difficult passage right now. Let's pray and ask the spirit to just 
speak this to us. Mm. So we, that's how we try to incorporate it more. That's good. And we do other things outside of Sunday morning gathering, but I think you were asking mainly about Sunday morning. Uh, yeah, that's good, man. Um, it's challenging for me too, to continue to think of ways we can do, you know, different things. We, we also have, like, we have a time of, you know, built into our uh, order of service where we have, you know, pastoral led prayer, um, you know, that's about five minutes. Um, and so, and we'll, we'll usually pray over, uh, like we'll pray for, uh, we try to pray for a church plant every single week. Uh, yeah, so, you know, whether it's one of the church plants in our network and the Paternity yeah. Project or another church plant in the area, we pray for, uh, uh, most weeks we're going to pray for an unreached people group, um, mm. something like that. And then, uh, but we'll, you know, we'll also have themed, you know, like times, like sometimes, uh, like I know a couple weeks ago, Thomas led the, uh, pastoral prayer and he focused in on just prayer of repentance, you know, and so just mm-hmm. uh, had a time of corporate repentance, um, you know, other times praying for, you know, government officials and leaders, things like that. Yeah. And so, uh, but we always try to like, it's all, it's a good teaching moment too for your congregation because you're teaching people about like how they ought to pray and why yeah. we're praying for the things that we're praying for. So, you know, like if you're praying for government officials, like, you know, you're going to point to, uh, you know, first uh, Peter chapter two and talk about like, you know, we're getting this from scripture, you know, like yeah. the reason that we're doing this because we see it in God's word. It's a clear, you know, command uh, in the word of God to do this. And, yeah. uh, you know, here's why we're, we're doing it. Uh, and then we, and I pray, so I pray, bef- you know, right before I preach always, um, yeah. just because like, I feel like I need it. Um, yeah. Like it's, it's kind of a time for me to really, um, you know, me and the congregation to kind of prepare our hearts uh, to, yeah. to listen yeah. and respond to the word. And then we still do, you know, in, in Canada, when we had our church there uh, and they still do this, they've got uh, tape coffee tables uh, yeah. that we had yeah. built and they meet, you know, and so kind of similar to what you guys do. They yeah. sit in a semicircle around the coffee tables. And after the sermon, we would either do something like discussion questions or prayer. And so mm-hmm. we're still doing things like that here where um, like... Actually, we just had a prayer emphasis week uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I saw that. That's awesome, man. It was really good, man. We we, we bookended it like, so we started it on a Sunday, ended on a Sunday. Yeah. And uh, the first Sunday, we actually like, we each of the points in my sermon after our after the point, we stopped and I had people group into groups of four or five and pray. Uh, now, mind you, we don't have coffee tables or anything at Pillar DC. We've just right. got chairs. So, but you can still ask people to group up and it, you know, like the first time you ask people to do it, sometimes they're like, they look at each other like, wait, what? And then, you know, they get yeah. used to it. So, um, but so we stopped multiple times throughout the sermon that, that Sunday mm-hmm. to do it. And then the next Sunday, we just, we, we gathered in groups of four or five to pray at the end of the service. Uh, yeah. but it's a way to incorporate, you know, the Bible passage that you taught from uh, into prayer. It teaches people how to pray scripture back to God uh, is yeah, another th- yeah. uh, important thing to do. So, you know, like we do, we try to do things like that on a, on a pretty regular basis as well. And I, I love what you said about not doing the same thing every week because it becomes rote. Like yeah. we, we try to be, you know, uh, yeah, just to, to mix it up a bit um, for lack of a better way to put it. I think, it, I think, you know, something you said was good. Like, um, I've seen like big, big churches, like in big sanctuaries still have corporate prayer yeah. and they just simply say, Hey, gather around with three or four people near where you're seating and let's pray for these things. Mm-hmm. I mean, my, 
Our sending church, Carville First Baptist, they've done that multiple times over the years on Sunday mornings, specifically for our work here. Yep. Um, and then somebody, it's, it's such a blessing. Somebody will take a picture of it and send it to me or something. And I'm about to get up to preach or something. It's just really cool. <clears throat> so it's not a size thing. Mm-mm. It's not even a like model thing where I think we can slip into that where we think like, well, it's more powerful if you're praying in a living room versus like a 5,000 seat sanctuary. Like, no, it's, it's about, are you praying? Mm-hmm. You know, are you, are you petitioning the throne? So I think a reason, I think one of the reasons that a lot of guys don't do it, um, if they're being honest is that they're afraid that, uh, you know, like I've actually heard this before that, you know, well, you know, guests might feel awkward when they come in, oh, yeah. and, you know, or people are Definitely. not going to know people are going to be uncomfortable. And I yeah. would just like gently push back on that a little bit and, and say that, um, it's actually probably a good thing for people to feel slightly uncomfortable at the worship service. Like your job, (laughs) your main job is not to make people feel as comfortable as possible. Like, and, and secondly, I would say like, um, I would just encourage you to trust the power of prayer. Like, Mm -hmm. like here's the deal. Like when we gather as a church, right? Like we're not (laughs) gathering to watch one or two or three people use their gifts. We're gathering to let everybody use their gifts. So when you do things like that in a church service, it's allowing the members of your body to love and to serve and care for one another. And I actually think that when lost people come in and they're able to observe that and they're able to, to listen to the average churchgoer pray to God and talk to God. Uh, And when they're able to listen to your people, pray for one another and pray for them, like that's powerful. Mm -hmm. And it's probably going to be a lot more powerful than your sermon pastor. (laughs) And, you know, and I'm saying that about mine too. Like, but Yeah. yeah. So I just, I think that, you know, okay, like, you know, you might have some people that, you know, aren't super, you know, comfortable with it. And there might even be a, a, smatter, a spattering of people that don't come back because of it. But you right. know what? Like, it is not your job to try to retain, no. you know, 100% of the people that walk through those doors. It's your job to 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 facilitate an environment where people encounter the living God. Yeah. You know, like, are you doing that? No, it's so true. I mean, like... I remember I, I, I've shifted so far on this, this whole thing, because I remember in the first couple of years of our church plant, like I really bought into some of that. I was like, man, you know, and I, I don't want to make excuses for it, but I look back on the people we were reaching and I thought like some of this just wouldn't make any sense because so many people are lost in this room right now. It's like, what are we going to do? But looking back on it, it to your point, it had been more powerful for my wife and I just to lead in prayer than it would have been you know, to think of anything else, you're, you're, you're setting DNA, Mm -hmm. you're, you're setting DNA into life of these people. And one thing I've learned is that you can't, you can't build a church with like people who are just going to like, kind of check you out indefinitely, you know, it's, you don't build a church with those people. Mm -hmm. You go back to, you build a church on prayer. You build a church on the spirit's power, on the movement of God. You Mm -hmm. don't build it on, you know, man, I hope these people come back because they weren't uncomfortable. And I, I mean, I always like to use the saying, um, the only thing we want to make people feel, the only thing we want to make people uncomfortable is the Holy spirit. Mm -hmm. And so like, he's the only one that and what I mean by that is like, we don't want to do weird things or awkward things in our services to make people think no. like, holy crow, I just want to get out of here. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like um, getting up and like hugging people or greeting people or, or whatever. You know, I, I taught at a, a 
for a friend. I lectured at for a friend this past week at, at a seminary, and afterwards a student came up to me and he gave me he's like this Iranian guy and he gave me like this hug and which you know is fine whatever like oh, let's dap it up you know like <laughs> hug, hug but this dude like kept holding on to me for like fifteen seconds and I was like okay you know and at <laughs> first I was like man maybe this like moved him in some way and then like he's like um. I served with the pastor in Germany and he said that hugging was his ministry. And I was just like, man, that gets you arrested. I think in a lot of places. Um, so like, I don't, I'm not advocating we do stuff like that, you know, to make people feel weird and awkward or whatever it might be. Um, although I was fine with it, whatever, but, but we shouldn't not do things because it, we shouldn't not do biblical commands because it might make lost people feel uncomfortable. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah, uh, I agree. I agree. Um, and I, I just think that, uh, I think we're missing out a lot on, you know, when we, when we, you know, choose to forgo those things and, you know, kind of going back to like the trust, you know, issue, uh, earlier and, you know, like, what are we really trusting in? Are we trusting in our own methods? Are we trusting in, you know, our own preaching? Are we trusting, you know, like, uh, I mean, I'm not, I think that it kind of speaks volumes, you know, if yeah, you're like, yeah, we're, we're just not going to do that because, you know, we're not going to pray in service because, you know, it, we've got a lot of, you know, unchurched people here. And yeah. uh, again, like we, we had lots of unchurched people at, at Fellowship Oshawa. You guys have them at Fellowship Pickering and yep. we've got lots of them at Pillar DC and, uh, you know, and what, you know, the, the results that, that, you know, I've seen, you know, in churches that do things like that is that, Yes, there are people who will, you know, not come back. Um, but let's be honest, that happens at every church, no matter what you do, no matter how hard you try to keep people, you know, uh, number one. And number two, you see uh, real transformation begin to take li- take shape yeah. in the life of people. And there's like deep abiding fruit that yeah. results. So, hey, dude, hey, dude, something like that our listeners don't understand. Oh, I don't. <sighs> If that old saying, that old saying, you know, like what you, what you catch people with is what you keep them, keep with. them with, yeah, or what you attract them with is what you keep them with, or whatever mm-hmm. it might be. Like, man, just being in church plenty now for multiple years, the Holy Spirit's going to keep people. Prayer is going to keep people. Prayer, yeah. praying for these people, praying for these seekers, praying for the lost people that are coming into your church. And that are like, that's, what's going to keep them. Not your amazing program, not Mm -hmm. your incredible, you know, and like what happens when people, what happens, God forbid we celebrate things like, Oh wow, they're doing this and they're doing that. And that church is exploding, you know? And then like they, people leave that church because like a preacher leaves or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's like, why, what did they, I heard about a church this a couple weeks ago, like, they lost a thousand members over the past year because their church left. Now it's a mega church because a thousand people, man. Cause their pastor they, left. Yeah. Because yeah. their pastor left and it wasn't, there wasn't any, um, there wasn't any, anything mm-hmm. bad happened. The guy's an incredible teacher, I mm-hmm. think. And, but it, it makes you like wonder, like you could have heard it. You could have just listened to his podcast. You could have just mm-hmm. listened to him preach. Mm-hmm. Like what was even bringing you to that church? Yep. It wasn't community. It wasn't prayer. Yep. It wasn't fellowship. Yep. And like, that's what I'm getting at, man. Like, 
So what if your church grows by a thousand people, if they're just coming to hear some guy preach, Mm -hmm. is that really what you're after? Is that really what you want? And every, and here's the crazy part in North America. We're like, yay, we pat each other on the back. Like, man, your church is exploding all this transfer growth or whatever it might be. And it's like, man, dude, I don't know if that's the goal. I don't think that's the goal. And the goal is to make disciples. The goal is to become more like Jesus Mm -hmm. and you can't become more like Jesus without prayer. Mm -hmm. And I think that until Bible doesn't say my house will be called a house of preaching. My house will be called a house of discipleship. Mm -hmm. Although prayer is part of that. He says my house will be called a house of prayer. Um, Jim Cimbala, man, that's my man. I love, you know, I love Jim Mm -hmm. Cimbala. When I go to New York one day, I'm going to go to take my bride to Brooklyn Tabernacle and I mean, people's like, well, I, I disagree with some things Jim Simbola teaches. I disagree with things I teach. <laughs> like, oh, well, I mean, like there's things I say sometimes. I'm like, I don't know if I agree with that. I might, I might not agree with everything he teaches, but I'll hope to one day n- walk as closely with God as he does. <laughs> Dude, that guy. So yeah, I love that guy. Yeah. He's His awesome. books on prayer is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Fresh wind, is. fresh fire. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's good stuff, man. Yeah. Well, man, this is good stuff. We could keep talking about this all day if we wanted to. Yeah. But uh, hey, dude, read this quote that you pulled up from oh, Jim Semblitz to oh, our yeah, listeners. Yeah. It's so powerful. He says, "You can tell how popular a church is by who comes on Sunday morning. You can tell how popular the pastor or evangelist is by who comes on Sunday night. But you can tell how popular Jesus is by who comes to the prayer meeting." Fire. Fire. Wow. Just, just drop the mic. Yeah, it's Man. true. I tell my people, uh, I'll quote that a lot to our church. And, you know, it's actually, I, I tell it to them because I've been encouraged at how active our church has been in, in prayer early on mm-hmm. and how we've we've really got some people who uh, have just like lay leaders who have stepped up and like really led that ministry. And, yeah. you know, with obviously with the 100% support of the elders. So like we have two prayer meetings a month that like that are specifically devoted to prayer. Um, yeah. I wish... Like that, Jim Cimbala and those guys—they do it weekly. And there's part of me that just wants to do that. Like, hey, we're just going to cancel small groups and we're going to start, you know, praying yeah. every week. And that's what we're going to do. And you know, but um, you know, isn't not, it? Cr- go ahead. Isn't it? I'm sorry. Isn't it crazy? Like, we grow up and we plant churches, and we're like, oh, we're going to do this different, you know, from our sending church or our home church or whatever it might be. And I'm not saying like those people have it figured out because they don't in a lot of ways, but you know, they do have prayer meeting every Wednesday night yep. and they, they call it, you know, like prayer, Wednesday night prayer meeting. And I think it's been relegated to something that's always not very efficient. When you talk about they, you mean you're sending, sending churches, people sending churches, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean like the, yeah. like big established churches or whatever, right. like yeah, for yeah, church for planters, sure. I mean, well, right? yeah. well, a lot of times it's like a, a gathering of like, you know, everybody coming to share about their knee pain and their great uncle Rico's, you know, like, gallbladder and stuff like that. Shoulder, so, shoulder pain from yeah. throwing footballs over mountains. <laughs> <laughs> Pray for my Uncle Rico. He, he tore his rotator cuff and threw a football over a mountain. Oh, over to the mountains. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, man. And But like, but then we're just like, um, but then we're like, you know what? Weekly prayer gatherings are good if they're done well. They are, man. So yeah, well, hey, we, crazy. We, we better wrap things up. 
Um, Let's do it. Hey, thank you, listeners, for tuning in to another episode of In the Trenches. Make sure you head on over to www.getinthetrenches.com. You can find links to our other episodes there. And uh, also, make sure you head on over to iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher, uh, Spotify, what, whatever platform it is that you listen to In the Trenches on, and hit that subscribe button and leave us a written review. It helps increase the exposure uh, of our podcast, gets it into the, to the ears of more listeners. Uh, we're going to be back next Monday with another episode of In the Trenches. So until then, go out there and get in those trenches, church planners. Church planners.